Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday. My man Patrick, the idealionaire, plays songs and selections that are supposed to give us clues and hints to lead us to the new theme of the day. We got it pretty easy today. Most Texans would have songs with the great state of Texas in the title to celebrate Texas Independence Day. Oh, yeah, this is good. My, my woman loves her some Leon Bridges. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty down. talented guy. Yeah, no no doubt about it. No question about it. Uh, like this jam, too. Patrick basically uh, was doing his best to find a diversity, a diverse group of songs with Texas in the title. A lot of, lot of country songs with Texas in the title. Yes. Yeah, but you, you, you went out of your way. You found a lot of Texas Third Coast hip-hop songs with Texas in the title, but not PG-13 enough for the radio. Not arable. Yes, there you go. And we ain't yes. getting fired for that. No, no. No, <laughs> no. and I didn't want to play a song that you can't hear any of the words in. Yes, <laughs> no. I think I know some of those songs that you were actually talking about, too. Some of my favorite Third Coast jams representing the great state of Texas. Uh, you can represent on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Uh, you also can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. My man, uh, Patrick, at It's Patrick Davis. Harge is out and about, but you can cyberstalk him at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. All right, now I just got done talking about the Tashara Choice story, and you know I think it's phenomenal that Tashara Choice, who is a fast-rising uh, star in the coaching world, passed up the, and, and shout-out to Horns 24-7 because they're the ones who reported, passed up an opportunity to coach on Sean McVay's staff. And we all know being on Sean McVay's staff, I mean, that's just that's going to get that's going to increase your stock. I'll just say that having him on your resume as being a coach under Sean McVay can only help your fast uh, meteoric rise as a coach. And he decided to pass on that job. and He's coming back here to Texas. um, And I think one of the big reasons was he not only likes it here, but he likes the culture. But I think he's building something special, especially after the first year here was with Bijan and Rojo. How could that not feel special? So I think he actually wants to build something and give props to Sark. Because Sark has done a good job of hiring coaches so far. I criticize his Andre Coleman hire, or at least him retaining Andre Coleman more than anything. But he upgraded that position immediately with Brendan Marion, somebody who I endorsed. thought that was a good hire. Um, and I love the, the hire they just made at the wide receiving coach position. So Sark has actually made good hires, and I think it's now you're starting to see some of the uh, the, the – the, the the benefits of having such a real respected staff. There have been two or three different coaches who have received some head coaching or um, some love at the next level to be promoted to another opportunity at coach. So he's getting guys that are coveted and guys who are obviously uh, doing really, really well and are well respected in the industry. Speaking of, since Sean, I can't believe Sean is looking for another running backs coach. 
I've been keeping track of Sean McVay's coaching changes just real, real quickly because we'll get to some Longhorn football nuggets here and talk combine. There is, there's never been a coach in NFL history that has dealt with as much coaching turnover as Sean McVay. They, it's not possible. I mean, in his first six years, so this is this will be his, going into his seventh year in 2023. He's still the youngest coach in the NFL, or two, I believe, which is crazy. Um, he has had <laughs> he's had five quarterback coaches, and he's he's moved a lot of these guys around to different positions too. So I'm just saying he's had five different ones. They're not all five, you know. Um, it's not different five different coaches every time that he's hired because some of these guys he's promoting from within the staff and he's moving guys around and delegating in different ways. But he's had five different guys coach the quarterback position under him, three different OCs, three DCs, two O-line coaches, now working on his fourth running back coach, three tight end coaches, two D-line coaches, three cornerback coaches, three safety coaches, three linebacker coaches, three different special teams coaches, and two strength and conditioning coaches. The only position coach where he has had no turnover is his wide receiving coach, Eric Yarber. That's it. Yeah. Well, Nobody I mean, wants that guy. Hell, he's almost left this program twice. <laughs> <laughs> he has almost walked away from this Rams team twice now. Yeah, and not exactly. It, it, it's crazy. Right. It's a good point. Twice now. He's he's, twice now he's he's done the, I don't know, I don't know. And I think a lot of it is this. I think it's exhausting I think to it's keep that, replacing your coaching staff over and over again. Yeah. It's exhausting, man. Yeah, right? especially when you're calling up guys in college and they're saying no. Yeah, that actually I bet shocked Sean McVay a little bit that he said yeah. no to him. But, but Texas is Texas. It, it is. It and I, it's, it's, you know, you, it's not a promotion. It's running back coach to running back coach. So it is to the NFL, but it's not a – you're not giving me an extra running back coach and passing game coordinator, running back coach and – That's true. I need an and in there. And you <laughs> – that's a good point. And – give you your extra and – the college assistant, like position coaches, they pay as much as NFL coaches, if not more. Yeah. So that, to your point, is like, oh, I need, I need a promotion, and I'm probably gonna need a raise. It's just surprising to me that Sean McVay's his aura didn't get him, you know, didn't get him uh, to short choice the coach that he wanted for that job. Usually, Sean McVay just got to make the call, and you go, oh, it's Sean McVay. I'm definitely going because it's definitely gonna, it's gonna increase my stock as a coach. I was looking at Bill Walsh's first six years from 1979 to 1984. Even Bill Walsh, who famously had some of the greatest coaching staffs in the history of the NFL, even he did not have the turnover that um, Sean McVay's had. He only had two quarterback coaches in his first two years, two running backs coaches, three wide receivers coaches. He only had one O-line coach. That was big. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was big. Uh, two D-line, two DCs, uh, two linebackers coaches, two DB coaches, three strength, three, three actually um, special teams coaches, two strength and conditioning coaches. And he added another D-line coach. He had one D-line. So how about this? So Bill Walsh was smart. His first six years, only one O-line, one D-line coach. <laughs> but he had a lot of turnover everywhere else, but he kept his lines of scrimmage together. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, he knows. Hey, he it's, knows. it's an important place. Yeah. Bill Walsh knew. He's like, yeah, I got to keep. And I believe Sean McVay, only two different O-line coaches, and one of those guys retired. Okay. One, one of those guys left him on his own. Like he didn't want to. He didn't get promoted. I think he just randomly retired on his own and left coaching. Period. So that's not all his fault either. So he probably only had one O line coach too. He's had two D line coaches. So he's been kind of like Bill Walsh, where he hasn't had a lot of turnover yeah. at the on the lines of scrimmage coaching, but at all the skill positions and everywhere else, he's had a ton of turnover. Quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff. I wonder. I do wonder how much like. 
for the being the Rams, how much of it has to do with two? You're just like, well, I have to live 45 minutes away, so every single day is an extra hour and a half, two hours of work. Even like whenever I leave, I have to drive so much in traffic. So the burnout happens a lot quicker mm. where you want to get out because you're just like, man, I, there is so – like it's just it – ever I, like I work so much, and then even when I'm off, I'm in my car. That's why Kobe got a helicopter. Yeah. I mean, God rest his soul. But that was it, it literally that was the reason. He's like, yeah. I can't get to all my appointments and get where I need to be. I'm losing too much time in the day yeah. by traveling via car. And it's why he's like, helicopter saves me so much time. So and yeah. so yeah, I'm with you on and taxes. Taxes. Yes. Texter here, great text says, What about the taxes, man? Not to mention the Cali taxes. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh that's a good point there too. As a matter of fact, there's an NFL player, Jordan Poyer. We were just yeah. my man at Harsh was talking about that in Harsh Knock Life. He literally complained about the taxes. He's like, I want to go somewhere without uh basically with, without a state tax, pretty much. He's like, I'm trying to go somewhere without a state tax. So and that's why he's open to uh, being recruited by teams who are in states uh, where they don't have such a uh, high tax uh, liability. All right. Let's continue our conversation about the combine. We'll give you some updates on it. But first, I want to get into DeMarvion Overshone. Now, we have not gotten testing numbers about DeMarvion Overshone, so I won't give you those just yet. But he did uh, point out the Cowboys were one of the teams that was really intrigued by DeMarvion Overshone. He was asked about at the combine what teams are really interested in you, what teams have uh, been you know, bringing you in for interviews. And he said the Cowboys. He said, quote, I've talked to the Cowboys a lot. I've seen him. He said, you know, Dan Quinn. I've seen him a lot around Texas, the facility where I, while I was there. So being able to chop it up with him uh, during formal interviews and then talking to them at Reese's Senior Bowl, that defense is amazing. And being able to play along some of the guys, it would be fun. He also went on to say uh, at the meetings, all they did was he said, we really just watched my film. They talked about how they love my relentless effort. And there is a lot that they can do with with me in their system. It was a great f- overall formal interview with them. I totally believe this because you guys have heard me talk about it time and time again that Dan Quinn has evolved his, his football ideology and he believes in positionless football. When he was with Atlanta, Devondre Campbell, who's the all-pro now with the Green Bay Packers, when he was in Atlanta, Dan Quinn was moving that guy around the front a ton, much like he does with Micah Parsons now, but that was in 2019. And then serendipitously, he gets with the Cowboys and they draft the, the best positionless defender, <laughs> best positionless football defender in the NFL and Micah Parsons, and now Dan Quinn's vision can be executed because he can now, he has a vision to weaponize the hybridism of Micah Parsons, and now he he uses that same kind of philosophy with other players. Uh, when he had Keanu Neal, that was kind of the philosophy behind Keanu, Keanu Neal was a linebacker slash safety hybrid. That's why he loves Israel uh, Makuyamu. The young safety who's 6'4", 215. They call him a J-Run kiss, uh, J-Run curse starter kit. As a matter of fact, that's why he likes having those three safeties, J-Run curse, Donovan Wilson, and Malik Hooker, because uh, safeties make you versatile. As a matter of fact, I got a quote here from John Schneider, the uh, Seahawks GM, who at the Combine just yesterday, he was being asked about safety because they pay a lot of money at, to the safety position. Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, they really believe in paying safeties. Um, He said safety is the biggest utility position a team could have. He said right now it's the most versatile position in football on defense. It makes you multiple. So that's why Dan Quinn plays like 40% uh, big nickel, big dime packages, which are three safety packages, because it makes you malleable on defense. And I think, you know, for a guy like DeMarvin Overshone, if he ends up with Dan Quinn, um, honestly, that, that's a perfect system fit for him. 
but it shows you Dan Quinn is still all in on his positionless football philosophy, drafting hybrids like DeMarvio and Overshaw. I would lo- I would love that fit. That'd yeah, be fantastic. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he is going to be drafted by them in that place. Oh no, no, not high, not high. Yeah, he won't. He won't be but, high pick. No, he won't be high pick. But yeah, I think he might go before they would take him. I, this he just yeah because they need they need some other things, and I don't I don't know if they're going to address that up front. But yeah, I like I'd love to see it. I think he would go well on that defense. He would. He'd be a great fit. But you're right. Early on, I expect the Cowboys. In the first round, you never know what the Cowboys. They like. They like getting, you know, the best player at the position. So they can go. They can do anything in the first round. But I don't think it'll be obviously a linebacker like Demarvin Overshone. He's going to be for them a third or fourth round pick. But they exactly. may start looking at that. And that's guy. the thing is, I think he for them is probably a day three guy, not a day two guy. Agreed. And he and Demarvin Overshone, Demarvin Overshone might go day two. And that says someone else might be more high on him, might take him in day two and round three. And if he goes, I, I think the Cowboys would look for that more stuff on day four when Jerry Jones is getting tired. And it's like, Dan, just pick somebody. <laughs> no, you are right, though. You're right about that. The Cowboys do have other – they got other priorities. They got other necessities right now. And they now. just don't have – they don't have a lot of extra draft picks. Yep. So they basically have their first, second, and third pick. I think they're going to have some extras in the fifth is when I think they'll get – and they. Reach out a little bit more. You're right. They do have those. Uh, they got like some sixth round picks that they got from uh, compensatory picks. You're right. I yeah. remember those. So, yeah. I mean, I, hopefully, Demarvin Overshone doesn't fall that far. We'll see because he's about to run his forty, and I'll give you some of those updates here in a second. Let's talk about some talk about the Cowboys. Let's talk about Kellen Moore just really quickly. Um, oh, this might be some breaking news pretty soon. Well, I just got a text. Okay, let me text him back, and I'll see if I can. Okay. See if we can. See if we can. You, we verify, can if I can relay that information, I don't know if I can relate. I just got the text, and I was like, "Oh, that's breaking news. That's, <laughs> that's significant." All right, uh, I'll get. I'll get. I'll get you that later. And if I can't give it to you, then I'll try to give you clues and hints. How about that? We'll play a little game. <laughs> Radio show. Hey, new theme Thursday. New theme. <laughs> Seriously, try not to reveal your sources. Oh, you're breaking news. Uh, all right. Uh, so Mike McCarthy, he's at the combine. He's asked, He's answering a lot of different questions. Um, and he was asked about Kellen Moore, and this is the quote that got him. And it's not, it's not, it's not got him in trouble, but it's making the rounds. Quote: "I've been where Kellen has been. Kellen wants to light the scoreboard up, but I want to run the damn ball so I can rest my defense. I think when you're a coordinator, you know, but you're in charge of the offense. Being a head coach and being a play caller, you're a little more in tune with everything. I don't desire to be the number one offense in the league. I want to be the number one team in the league with a number of wins and a championship." He said, and if we got to give up some production and take care of the ball better to get that, then that's what we'll do because we have a really good defense. I'll say we were talking to Goose Goslin earlier this year, and I said to him, I said, I wonder if the Cowboys, they think they see the football world the way I see it, where if you break down all the teams that have won Super Bowls, there's basically two commonalities to Super Bowl winners. There are exceptions to every, to every rule, but for the most part, there's a common denominator for Super Bowl champions. Elite quarterback play or elite pass rush. Most quarterback champions, those most Super Bowl champions, I should say, fall in one of those categories in recent years. And the Cowboys are probably closer to being a team with an elite pass rush than they are to being a team that can win a Super Bowl with an elite quarterback. And I and Goose Gosselin agreed with me. He said, oh, yeah, you're definitely right. They should go pass rush because they got – Great pass rushers. Michael Parsons might be the most unique defender in all the NFL and one of the top five best pass rushers in all the league right now. 
And I wonder if this is the Cowboys recognizing that Dak does have a ceiling. He is limited, and that doesn't make him an average quarterback or a bad quarterback. He's limited, but he's still hovering around top 10 every damn year and being a top 10 quarterback in, in the NFL. And I think maybe they believe taking some of the burden off of Dak and making the offense a lot less Dak-centric could, could possibly could that possibly bring the best out in Dak? Because right now, the more the more more responsibility you've put on Dak within this offense. Because right, your running game last year suffered because Zeke's just not the same back that he was, and you don't have the same weapons when you trade away Amari Cooper. So your uh, weaponry right, isn't as lethal as it once was. So there's more on Dak to make a play. When you're putting more, <clears throat> more of the responsibility on Dak to go out there and make plays in crucial situations, when you are playing elite competition in the playoffs, you don't get that big Dak energy. Right? You, you're, getting, you're getting inconsistent Dak. You need big Dak energy consistently in the playoffs versus elite competition. And I believe that Mike McCarthy right now, he believes – he can bring out the best in Dak. He can bring out that big Dak energy, and he can have it be sustained, all right, throughout a long period of time, but or at least a longer period of time than Kellen Moore could sustain that big Dak energy. Because he says about 30% of the offense is going to change, and I believe the 30% he's talking about is specific um, concepts that – can highlight the strengths of Dak and that can minimize his weaknesses, which is play action, getting Dak on the bootlegs and the waggles and the rollouts, more RPOs within the offense, and really trying to emphasize, all right, a better, more effective running game. I don't know if he wants to run the ball more. I think he just wants to run the ball better. Well, let's be real. They don't have a running back right now. They have Zeke Elliott, who who they should cut. And they have Tony Pollard, who's a free agent. So they don't even have a running back to base any of this. We're going to run the ball more. So the question now becomes, well, do you franchise tag Tony Pollard by Tuesday? Do you sign Tony Pollard by Tuesday? Do you let Mm. Zeke Elliott go? If your plan is to keep Zeke Elliott and let Tony Pollard walk and hope you find somebody else, I don't think running the ball more is going to be the solution anyone's looking for. So you can say all this, but until I see the players who are going to be in your backfield, there's a certain part of it where it's like, yeah, you got to kind of play to your strengths. And, you know, you as of now, you have really – you have a wide receiver one, you maybe have a wide receiver three, and you have no running backs on your roster. Yeah. And you don't have a tight end either. I mean, if you want to say – Well, cause yeah, you're going to let Don show. Well, you got you, you got Jake Ferguson. You have Jake Ferguson. So Peyton, you maybe – you have a you have a tight end in training. I think that's not a lot of weapons on offense right now. No, they're definitely so, going to drop the wide receiver. So you have draft. to do a lot of these pieces in wide and like on your offense to get some form of what you're going to do before you can say, "Oh, there's a play calls I'm going to make." Because if you're going to try and change your offense up and you have CD Lamb, CD Lamb, see, like <laughs> you can tell me whatever you want to tell me, but that offense, it doesn't matter what you tell me, Mike. You're going to fail because there's not players. And I would argue that the defense, you're going to miss out. You're going to be missing some crucial pieces on defense. Leighton Vander Esch, I don't know if they're going to re-sign him, but they're going to need another linebacker in there opposite of whoever because Anthony Barr, I believe, is out is going to be a free agent as well. 
you know that Micah Parsons is your versatile chess piece. You don't want him pigeonholed to one position. And your ability to move him around, to hybridize him, is pretty much, I mean, it, it depends on your ability to find two linebackers who are serviceable, who can play at a high level at the off-ball linebacker position. So he doesn't have to play that position all the time. So you can move him the defensive end. You can move him around the formation. And right now, they don't have that either. Right now, he's got to play at the off-ball linebacker position because that's all they really have. So that's something they got to look at. And they also, on defense, you start, they got to look at Donovan Wilson. Donovan Wilson was one of their leading tacklers and one of their better defenders, period, especially in the running game. And he is also a free agent. So the Cowboys got some questions they got to answer in free agency and also via the draft. And right now, Mike McCarthy, it's all on Big Mike because uh, he will be calling the plays. And he says the most fun he's had since he's been with the Dallas Cowboys, now calling the plays instead of Kellen Moore. But also really complimentary of Kellen Moore, too. There you go. Uh, by the way, five four five nine. For Demar Vianovichon in the first run of the forty four five nine. That's uh, that's good. That's good for Demar Vianovichon. That's good. It's no, it's no Micah Parsons, but <laughs> no, it's he's he's. I don't think it's going to be freakish as long as he can confirm what we see on film, which yeah. is he can go sideline to sideline, and he's a guy that won't be at a disadvantage if he has to cover a tight end or running back side of the backfield. Yeah, and he can do. He got enough speed to do that. He'll run a faster forty in the second one, and I think too than he ran in the first. Yeah, one. Yeah, and I believe the fastest so far is four five seven. So. No one has blown it up yet on the linebackers. Oh, that that uh, kid from Georgia, I bet, will, right? Which one? I bet, I don't know his name. I can't think of his name right now, but the Georgia kid will. Well, I can say that about all yeah, the all positions. Yeah, all the Georgia. Just Georgia, they're going to do <laughs> the well. The Georgia kid no, will but do yeah, it, No, it's, yeah, they, they will go, yeah, they haven't put, everybody hasn't gone yet, that but yeah. from Georgia will do it. Which one? <laughs> Which one? One of them. I don't know. One of them, yeah. Uh, okay, real quick, because I'll give you these uh, Longhorns at the Combine who have performed so far, just the D lineman, as my man Patrick just told you, my man DeMarvion Overshawn, who measured in at 6'3", 229, 32 and one quarter arm length and hand size nine and a half inch hands. I think my man, my hands might be as big as the Marvion Overshone's hands. Where are my hands? My hands were nine and a half inches. Boom. Me and DeMarvion Overshone. He's six three. I'm five eight. Same hand size as DeMarvion Overshone. I'm not even gonna tell y'all what that means. I'm just gonna move on. Uh let's get into it. So here you go, my man DeAndre Coburn. He actually uh, went to uh, – sorry, he did the 40-yard the dash. Um, he was he was good, but, I mean, he wasn't great by any stretch. And you don't need Kendra Coburn to be great in any of these uh, 40s or any of these these tests because he's, he's going to be a power, run-stuffing, gap-eating defender. And that's what they want from Kendra Coburn. So, I mean, his 40 it doesn't matter that much. Really, his bench press might matter. His 5'10'5". His first 10 yards, that might matter. But the, the Longhorn that really stood out and made himself some money was Moro Ojimo. So among D-tackles, Moro Ojimo in his vertical, he's second. This is among D-tackles. 33-inch vertical has him second. His 10-yard split in his 40 has him sixth, 1.77 among D-tackles. His 40-yard uh, dash Overall has him seventh, 5.04. Actually, Andre Coburn was 11th. He was at a 5'2". That's pretty good for a space-eating, kind of a, a gap-clogging defensive lineman like him, a wide body uh, like my man Andre Coburn. So Moro Ojimo 
between the vertical leap and between the broad jump, by the way, he's fourth among D tackles in the broad jump. So he's basically top four in broad jump, vertical jump, and he's top seven, if you look at it, in the 10-yard split and the 40-yard dash. He made himself some money. And he's versatile. What I love about um, his game, Moro Ojimo's game, is that Moro Ojimo, he moved around the front a ton this year. They moved him around all over the place. He played on the edge, uh, ended up playing. He played on the edge for two hundred, sorry, 114 snaps, 244 snaps at the interior D-line. Played all over the place. And was graded by Pro Football Focus as a top 15 pass rusher and run defender. Um, man, he was only one of five interior D lineman in all of college football to be a top 15 graded pass rusher and run defender. So he just made himself a ton of money. He's only 21. He's just 21. He's a baby still. Still a baby. Um, Also, we'll get to DeMarvio and Overshaw a little bit uh, later because we'll get his other time. I'm sure that'll be coming up. We'll get you an update before we got here. We also got breaking news on the other side. So we'll bump our story. What's going to talk about KD's debut with the Suns? If we have time, we'll get into it. But there's a big story that is brewing on the 40 Acres. Breaking news on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9. Right here on 104 now in the horn. It is a new theme Thursday. My man Patrick, the idea you know, are playing jams, selection songs that are supposed to give us clues as to what the new theme of the day is. Pretty easy today. It was uh, Texas, the great state of Texas. Songs that had the uh, state of Texas in the title to celebrate Texas Independence Day. It's a beautiful thing. So thanks, my man Patrick, for always keeping us on our toes. Uh, you can always hit us up on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. And some of you already hitting me up, and I appreciate the heads up about the breaking news. And yes, I think it's probably bad breaking news. This ain't the good breaking kind for Longhorn fans anyway. Uh, Gary Patterson is stepping away uh, as the special assistant to the head coach. Um, so uh, a statement by Gary Patterson via our good friends over at Horns 24-7. So shout out to Horns 24-7 uh, for breaking this story. Um, he's basically just saying that uh, he doesn't specify what he's stepping away for, but did say he's so appreciative of Coach Sarkeesian, the players and the fans for his time at Texas this past year. He said, I loved my time in Austin. I jumped into that role right after leaving TCU, and I put off a lot of stuff foundation-wise because I wanted to be a sponge. I wanted to see how the coaches on the staff there uh, who have been at places like Bam. I'm in Washington recruit, how they handle practice, how they handle things like NIL. Um, I learned so much and have so much respect for guys like Pete Kwiatkowski, Jeff Choate, Bo Davis, and really, really enjoyed the players. Who knows? Maybe I'll get to August and I'll want to come back if Sark would have me. But for right now, hell yeah, he'll have you. But anyway, but for right now, I feel like I need to take some time for my wife, kids, and grandkids while also looking to see if I can help college football on a larger scale. So there you go. It's a little scary. Not going to lie to you. A little scary considering uh, the defensive improvement that we watched uh, from year one to year two with Pete Kwiatkowski and with Jeff Choate and Bo Davis. And those guys obviously should be given a ton of credit for the defensive improvement. Uh, but in 2021, I mean, Texas had one of the worst defenses in the program's history. 
from in a lot of statistical categories. And in 2022, they had one of the best defenses in the country. Same coaches, pretty much. A lot of the same players, pretty much. One big difference. A couple other little differences, but one big difference. Gary Patterson became the special assistant to the head coach, and we assume he was having some. He had special attention paid to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that would be, seem like that. I will give the positive. The give it to last me. team Gary Patterson left played for a national championship last year. <laughs> Let's keep the trend going, you guys. Well, oh, if that happens, Gary Patterson's gonna be really depressed. Yeah, <laughs> he leaves another. Hey, he's, everyone's gonna be calling him like, "Hey, you want to come in? <laughs> you want to come in, Gary? Please come to us, Gary Patterson, and leave after the first year." <laughs> um, but points allowed per game, so scoring defense for Texas went from 99th to 29th. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, if you go look at a yards per game, so uh, total offense, total, sorry, total defense went from 100 to 51st. Well, not a useful statistic, really, but that's still a damn good one. Yards per play went from 102nd to 19th. Yeah. Points per play went from 93rd to 11th. <laughs> and the ratio of points, uh, sorry, punts forced to scores allowed increased massively from 101st in the country to number 20. So you basically became a top 20, top 30 defense in the country when you were a bottom 30 defense in the country in 2021. So when you were from bottom 20 to bottom 30 in 2021 as a defense to top 20, top 30 in 2022. So, yeah, he. I'm going to assume that a big part of that was Gary Patterson because I watched his defense, and they they, they really did. They lacked football IQ. Uh, the structural integrity of the defense was constantly compromised, and they had very, very little situational awareness as a defense overall. And that they were totally different this year. Third down defense. Remember last year they were 102nd. Not last year, two years ago, 102nd. Now they were 79th this past season. Red zone scoring de- uh, defense went from 90th to 16th. The red zone touchdown percentage defense went from 52nd to 20th. Like I said, they be- and the rushing defense, they were the, one of the best rushing defenses in the country. Yards per rush went from 114th to 17th. Now this, this is not all Gary Patterson. But schematically, a lot of it was getting past. Remember, I told you the biggest issue with PK in 2021. I kept repeating it over and over again. He miscalculated the conference. Like he didn't understand the culture of the Big 12. It was like he, he, it's like he did research on the Big 12 from four or five years ago and didn't do research on the big, what the Big 12 had become. And he still thought of the Big 12 like the rest of the college football does like it's a passing league no no the big 12 is a passing league it basically is a it's a running league cross-dressing as a passing league that's the, the big 12 it, it it wants you to think it's a passing league the formations the the personnel grouping no, no the big 12 is a running league now they want to run the football a ton and he miscalculated that in 2021 he just didn't know the conference very well didn't realize the, the topography of the big 12 with the ecosystem of the big 12 and i think gary patterson who knows the ecosystem of the Big 12 probably better than anybody. He's been around this damn league for a decade plus. He knows this league really well and has mastered the league pretty much because he was doing a lot of the conceptual um, kind of the, the, the conceptual ideas that have become popular in the Big 12 these days, especially defensively. Gary Patterson was doing those even before he got to the Big 12 when he was in the Mountain West Conference or whatever the hell it was. 
So that's why his presence on the 40 acres with those coaches, just explain to them the ecosystem of the Big 12, the culture of it. He, he had extensive scouting reports on every team. You know he did. He'd been in the league for 10 years, 10, 12. He, he knew how every coach operated, their process, what they like to do, their tendencies, weaknesses. He gave all that to Texas. And I, I mean, can't take it all back. I'm sure they still have the knowledge. but So they weren't calling the plays, but the preparation and the asset that he was to Texas for that preparation, that was huge. So I'm sure they learned a lot. Now they know the league a lot better, but it's still going to be an asset that you're losing in uh, Gary Preston on the defensive side of the ball. So that's yeah, the bad it, news. It, it's unfortunate. Hopefully he taught them well enough that, you know, they were able to learn from Gary Patterson. You know, he said he learned a lot from them. Hopefully they learned from him. I, I'm just happy to still have consistency in the in the defensive coaching because that is something that has changed a whole lot That's from true. year to year. So we're going into year three with PK as the defensive coordinator. So hopefully that will continue to help the all this the smaller things of, all right, now we can have guys coach the next group because they're not all learning together. Yeah. So the seniors can help the freshmen and the sophomores because they actually know the system as opposed to everybody walking in day one learning a new system. Now you're right about that. And and give Sark credit too because there's a lot of pressure on Sark to make some big time changes after five and seven yeah. and after that disastrous first year. And Sark said, no, 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 we just need some time. Those guys need time to acclimate to our coaching. The coaches need time to acclimate to the players and to the new culture and the new system. And you're right. that It played a huge role just having some consistency in the message and the verbiage, the terminology, uh, the teaching style, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully that is something that will uh, continue. All right, we come back. We'll give you a DeMarvion Overshone update. He's running 40s and doing some of his testing. We'll give you an update on that. Then we'll wrap it up and put it in the oven. Right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Pop a top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion, sir. I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's that is- all right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now on the horn, getting ready to wrap it up and put it in the oven. Before we do, we'll let you know what's on tap. If you missed any part of any of the shows, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. All right, so DeMarvion Overshone's 40 that right now is official on NFL.com has them clocked at 459. And that would be good for uh, five, six, seven. I think he'd be tied for ninth right now. If I'm looking at it correctly. In the first run of linebackers. Yes. About the Mavs and Kyrie. You'll be surprised at how potent that duo actually is. Just can't seem to get the dubs. That's the complaint that Mike McCarthy has. He says he doesn't want potent offense anymore. He just wants wins. All right? You don't give a damn about those. Man, Dallas has got problems. (laughs) Dallas has got problems. Yes, they do. Uh, Tonight, I'm watching the Combine. I'm going to go home, watch me some Combines. And I'm watching Law & Order. It's Law & Order Thursday. I'm so old school guy. I need some Law & Order, man. Law & Order. Hell yeah, man. I I need some of that in my life. I want to thank my man, Pat, for doing a great job. Thank you guys out there for listening. Remember, the revolution I'll be televised. We talk about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. But more importantly, take care of each other. Peace.